what you're about to hear is unsupervised. Welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Stanley Cup of Chowder's Unsupervised Podcast. This is episode six and the first of the offseason. As usual, I'm joined by my wonderful co-hosts, um, Stanley Cup of Chowder editor Jake Reiser. Jake, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It's a muggy one out tonight. Definitely the opposite of hockey weather, but I'm glad we get to do this now in the offseason. Yeah, it wasn't the best weather for the drive down to uh, Warrior today, that's for sure. I'm also joined, uh, again, like always, um, by a fellow Stanley Cup of Chowder member, Adam Denhard. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Good to be back on the circuit. I know Al uh, filled in admirably when about a month ago, so he's, uh, as you mentioned, our great music editor. But, um, yeah, the humidity today was terrible, and I'm glad I was stuck inside all day, but getting home on the subway was a nightmare. I can imagine I had this grand aspiration of chilling out in Warrior Ice Arena on a nice summer day. Instead, uh, it took me two hours plus each way in the rain to get down there. Definitely worth it, though, to, to catch uh, some of the Bruins up-and-coming kids, for sure. Uh, I'll dive right into that. Anyone who's followed uh, our site or, or me on Twitter knows we don't get too crazy, you know, proclaiming kids, you know, future superstars or anything like that. So camp is, it's really just big practice for these kids. But uh, a couple observations I had from there. Uh, the first is the Bruins newest member is uh, everyone's favorite Montreal Canadiens defector, Olivier Gallipo, if I'm saying that correctly, left-handed defenseman out of the Quebec major junior hockey league spurned the Montreal Canadiens camp invite and signed a one-year deal with Providence. Got to see him play, uh, you know, got to see him on the ice today. I thought he actually looked pretty good for a guy that didn't cost you any assets. He went undrafted. You know, he's, he's got decent size. He's six feet, a little over 200 pounds. Not the best skater, but he's adequate. I thought he looked all right. Um, and then the rest of it is sort of what you expect. You know, the, the high draft picks stood out. I know everyone's excited about uh, defenseman Yerho Vakaninen. I, I got to be honest, I I think he looks better than he did last year where I saw him at camp, but I, he still doesn't jump off the ice to me like I know some other people said. Um, that being said, I know many think he's got a shot at uh, making the NHL at some point this year. And then recent uh, draft pick uh, forward out of the Czech Republic, uh, Lauko, Looked good out there. He's as fast as everyone said. He may have been the fastest player on the ice. Um, he's definitely got speed to burn. And reminds me a little bit of Marchand. He was always around the puck. Uh, definitely has that hustle in his game. Um, I think we'll be hearing a lot more about him as the year progresses. As always, it's fun. Definitely fun to get a chance to get down to Warrior. If any of you listeners ever get a chance to go down, it's camp is free open to the public it's a great place to watch uh you know bruins practice or uh, catch their training or rookie camp as well that yeah, was there, camp. was there anybody else that um surprised you though because i knew there were a couple of guys that were you know um signings out of college what was that coleman i think um who was supposed to impress but did anybody else jump out at you so 
limited action. You know, you only get to watch them for a few hours, and it was pretty low-key um, drills today. Um, I did have my eye on him a little bit because I know a few people, including, you know, the excellent Mark Diver from Providence Journal mentioned he thinks that um, Coleman does have a chance at making the NHL this year. The name that I that came with it, away with today was actually um, Wolf. And uh, at the end of uh, camp today, the Bruins um, head player development um, staff member, Jamie Langenbrunner, you know, did his media availability and he talked about him. And it was funny because he, he came away talking about him more glowingly than any other player we you know he talked about Yurho, he talked about Studnika, he talked about all the higher draft picks and he spent more time talking about a camp invite um talking about you know he's more of a work in progress he has that bigger size you know McQuaid size player um and how in today's league it takes a little longer for those bigger defensemen to uh to round out with such a focus on skating and skill but he thinks he seems to think that he has quite a bright future. He just may be a little bit behind some of the other players. So that's a name to watch if we, uh, you know, as we get past here, obviously this is just really, uh, you know, well before the actual rookie and training camp, I believe is in September, but it'll be interesting to see when someone like that is speaking so highly of them. Now think about the change in guard between this year and last year, where the names that were jumping off the board were prospects we knew were going to have a chance to crack the roster in the NHL with Andreas Bjork and uh, Ryan Donato, who did so at different times. But nonetheless, once they cracked the roster, it impressed us for the most part. Yeah, for sure. And we'll see more of those players when we get into September's uh, rookie rookie camp and training camp as well. But I think not having that first-round pick this year in the draft sort of takes you know a little bit of the buzz away from it, to be fair. Uh, you know, Usually when you're going, you have at least one first-round pick that, you know, fans and media like are sort of fawning over to see, you know, the future of the team. And without one, you know, a little bit of that excitement definitely, uh, you know, is diminished. But like I said, it looks like they've got a, a player with, the, you know, their later draft picks in Lauco. Um, one of the other interesting names there, too, is Martin. I'm probably saying his name wrong. Martin Bakos, Bakos, the signing they had. Um, Slovakian player who is like seven years older than, than most of the players that are there, you know, has a great set of hands. We've seen videos online of some of his shootout goals. So it'll be interesting to see if he plays entirely in the AHL, sort of like an Agostino last year, or if he's going to have a shot to compete for a fourth line role with the big club. Yeah. It's, it's important to remember that while we would love to see some of these guys succeed now, there's, going to be a lot of folks that either get sent back to juniors or, or, you know, see time in AHL before they ever see a game. So uh, it's, you're right. It, the lack of the first round pick kind of limits what you're going to see playing through to the actual NHL roster and in, in preseason. Plus a lot of the guys in our system who are already ahead of a lot of these guys in the depth chart, Jacob pours back a Carlson, uh, Jacob Jacobs Borrell, guys who are probably going to have first crack at the NHL roster come call up time during the season rather than some of these gentlemen who I'm sure had a great camp and are going to continue to have a great camp but just won't start as high up on the depth chart and won't see them at the NHL club maybe sooner rather than later. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair. This is sort of a 
not in a derogatory way, but this is sort of a a notch below those players that we all know are, are arguably already ready for NHL duty. Yeah, now that, you know, Sweeney has had a chance to call up some of the guys that we saw in the last year, I feel like he's going to have a little more patience with pulling people off the roster. I mean, if they impress, sure, but, you know, if you're not going to rush some of these kids along. No, the one name I did uh, I didn't mention yet, and I, I did want to make a point of mentioning, is uh, Jack Studnika, you know, the really, really talented uh, scoring forward out of Oshawa. He's actually the captain down there. Um, I watched him last year at camp, and I know not only myself, but a lot of uh, media members are really high on his ceiling. Um, we talked about this earlier today, um, but with him, it's either he makes the NHL roster or he gets sent back down to Oshawa. He can't, unfortunately, play in Providence. Um, he did get a brief brief look. He played five games there, scoring a goal and four assists, point-per-game player in his time in the AHL. And you hate to say it, but he does strike me as a player who doesn't really have much left to prove you know, in junior hockey at this point. Um, I know the organization is really high on him. Um, he does need to add some weight. He's six foot one. He's only about 170 pounds. He's very, very slight. Reminds me a little bit of, you know, pasta before he, he bulked up over the last couple of years. But he's a player you see, you know, sort of like Donato and Bjork last year, where it's hard not to notice this, the raw skill with a player like that. So I know for a lot of people, he's a dark horse to at least uh, maybe make the roster to start the year, if not stay. Yeah, that's almost like a baseball player's build. That doesn't sound like a hockey player build. So hopefully he takes the time over the next few weeks between rookie camp and um, the actual training camp, bulks up as much as he can, even if it's another 5 or 10 pounds. I think that might go a long way into saying, all right, he's added a little bit more body. Now let's see how he can use it. Yeah, and Jamie Langebrunner mentioned that. One of the first things he said is he knows it. You know, Jack knows it. He's got to add some weight on if he's going to compete at the higher levels. I did have a chance to talk to uh, Jack today about what his goals would be if he does, in fact, get returned back to Oshawa. Like I said, he's already the team captain. And basically, you know, he said he wants to have a winning season, you know, down in Oshawa. And he also let slip that uh, he's really one of his goals for the year is to be able to represent, you know, Canada at the World Juniors. He wants to bring home a gold for Canada, which totally understandable. Um, so if we don't see him in the big club, he may get a shot at that. That'll be exciting for him. But all in all, great time covering camp. Uh, like I said, always enjoy it. Warrior Ice Arena is one of the best around. Definitely worth stopping in if you're in the area. Like I said, they're open to practice all year long for the Bruins. All right, so let's get to the let's get to the big topic of the day here. You know, we were going to get to it sooner or later. What do you guys think about Tavares? Do you want him, I assume? Everyone wants him, at least. Oh, yeah. I think he instantly makes your team better. It's just a matter of where in God's name do you fit him. Yeah, the debate, I was reading up on, um, or trying to catch up on Twitter, you know, one of the times I have logged in in the last month or so, um, is why you would try and swap him and Bergeron and decide who would be a top center when, what the Boston has been doing well with, you know, when Craigie was a little more offensive a few years ago, but um, 
having that balance between defensive and offensive when they're both just excellent, you know, Team Canada representative centers and are both going to give you a 200-foot game, who do you put on each of their wings is really the question because it's just going to be, you know, they can balance lines and balance time. It's not going to be one or the other to me. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I've never really gotten the whole argument about who's 1C or 2C. When you have, if you have Bergeron and Tavares, they're both 1Cs. They're both going to see 20-plus minutes a night. But to your point, yeah, who who would be on each wing is definitely interesting. Do you keep Pasta with, uh, you know, Bergeron? Or, I mean, it depends on who moves out and any potential salary dumps too. But it, it, I think it's obvious everyone wants a player like John Tavares on the team. It's just whether or not you can actually make it happen. And we know that the dominoes that would have to fall in order to make that happen are getting rid of some contract money, which is going to prove difficult due to the no movement or no trade clauses for Krejci and Bacchus. But uh, honestly, if we can get Tavares on the roster, like you said, he's going to be a game changer for Boston. It might be one of those things where you just have to sign him now and say, screw your coach to the sticking place and figure out what to do afterwards. Because you've got the time. I don't think you have to be cap compliant until the first night of the regular season. So they at least would have the time to try and figure something out, if anything. You just might not get the, you might not get the return you want for eating bad contracts, but you'll at least get the money off of your cap. Yeah, there's, like anything, there's so many variables that go into this. And I think we've all... It's been all of our Twitter. It's been all in the, you know, the Stanley Cup chowder Slack. It's been on the radio. It's been everywhere. But the Bruins can make it happen. Obviously, they, you know, Don Sweeney and Cam Neely and Bruce Cassidy wouldn't be flying out to, you know, Los Angeles to meet if they knew it wasn't possible. But it's definitely going to be one of the more challenging, you know, series of uh, moves to make to make it work. Because on top of the cap space issue, you also have no movement clauses for both David Backus and David Krejci, who at least one of them is going to have to be moved in order to make it work, essentially. So that's where I get hung up. I've been Mr. Negativity on this. I've I've been saying (laughs) since the start that I just, I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, on top of that, you look at players like, you know, Stamkos last year, everyone was like, Stamkos is coming to the Bruins and, Everyone's so excited, and of course, he signs back with his own team at the last second. And that's historically what happens. I think most likely Tavares is probably going back to the Islanders. But even if he says you know, he wants the Bruins, I mean, there's so many hoops that Don has to jump through to make it work. And that, that's where I get hung up personally. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I think Bacchus would be the most likely to waive his, so to get $6 million off the books... Even like you said, if it's for you know less than ideal return, is the most likely bet. And you know, even if you do a move like that, what I was more worried about is, yeah, you can bring in Tavares, and he's an you know another elite center. But we mentioned who do you put on his wing? Well, you don't really have space to sign anybody to put on his wing that isn't somebody that's already in the organization. And so you know, hopefully Bjork is you know progressing in his rehab and is going to be game ready, but Bjork and DeBrusque on Tavares's wings, is that, you know, really the look you want to see for a A or B, you know, top two line? I, I, 
Or Danton Hyden, who seemed to have proved himself a little bit. This is true. Yeah, I still would see, I mean, any one of those three players, I, I think Nebraska is probably safe from the second line. But the other two, I would see getting bumped down the lineup in a heartbeat if they're not playing up to snuff. You know, Nebraska's compete level is uh, unquestioned after his input last season. But we got to see a little, I got to see a little more time out of um, Heinen getting playing minutes again and, and Bjork actually getting back into the game, which I, I, I hope he will do well. But Well, I got to say, you guys are leaving out my boy, Peter Solarik. <laughs> if someone's going to play on the way, <laughs> that's my vote. But uh, no, you're right. I, I think, you know, in the unlikely scenario that we land superstar John Tavares, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Pasternak gets gets dropped down, not like a demotion, but moved to a second line to balance scoring and then a Bjork or a Solarik or, a, you know, whoever plays alongside, uh, you know, Marshan and Bergeron, who I don't think they would break up, you know, after, you know, what feels like a million years together. So who would you... I got to ask, so who each of you would put uh, which center as your one, your, you know, last 45 seconds of a game seven between the two of them? And that's assuming we would get Tavares. You got to give me the score, because if you're looking for defense, you're obviously going with Bergeron. But if you need to score, I mean, we all love uh, Bergeron. Six on five, you have them both on the ice. It doesn't matter this where is, it is. Who, this is true. You know, Bergeron in the dock because he can take the face off. So you put Tavares on the off wing or something like that. Let him sit in a triangle position in the middle of the ice. Just, I don't think you can have either of them in a bad place. See, and I was about to use a terrible example of think of game seven against uh, Tampa Bay in 2011, but Crazy was on the ice, not Bergeron. So, you know, I was going to shoot myself in the foot either way. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of having a. Uh two players like that you can you can do anything and it pretty much works lineup wise um but i think i've I've read a lot about this and uh i'm not saying that Tavares is a bad defensive player by any stretch of the imagination but i do think his 200 foot game has been oversold a little bit and part of that is probably that he's just relied on so much to provide offense you know if he if he ends up in a more balanced lineup like the Bruins have, you know maybe he will bring more of a two hundred foot game. But I mean he's not out there to to kill penalties. You know that's what your Schallers and your Riley Nashes and, and Bergeron to some extent is. If you get both of them, I mean you can you can cut Bergeron's minutes hopefully quite a bit if if he lets you. That is because I mean we all love Bergeron, but he'll be I believe thirty three going into the season, and I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to. Uh, you know, cut his minutes down a little bit similar to what you're doing with Chara, you know, at least as you get towards the playoffs. Oh, no, absolutely. That would definitely be the right idea. Just keep him healthy, keep his energy conserved for the playoffs. But say that Bacchus is the only contract we get cleared. And so you have what centered up down the middle of Bergeron, Tavares and Krejci. Who can beat that? Honestly, that it's, Supremely elite um, two-way play from Bergeron. Really highly touted offense from Tavares. Krejci has proved himself. He's still a little mobile. He's a little bit more of a playmaker rather than an offensive type player. But Krejci would end up being the best third-line center in the NHL. Or second-line winger. You know, I mean, I don't know that I would want him centering as a, you know, as a, as a declining playmaker. I mean, sure, he can pick pockets, but 
is he really going to be like a, a alternate shutdown like Riley Nash was for Bergeron? I highly I doubt know. it. But but that also helps you cut down his minutes if he's playing third line minutes rather than second line minutes. I like that idea, Adam. That that's uh, I could actually see that. Maybe a little bit of both. He's sort of like Bacchus in his first year, where he plays some third line center, and he gets moved up to you know second or first line depending on need. Cause... Yeah. You double shift and you can put a versatile guy. Is Ryan Donato both center and wing, or is Donato just a wing? Uh, so I'd say team... for another season, they'd probably play him at wing. Yeah, the team has been pretty vocal about saying they only see him as a wing. I I always am curious about that though, because I know there's a big difference between NCAA and you know, the NHL, but if you've played center your entire life, I think you can at least spot start, you know, at center in the NHL. And I think Donato has the skill, you know, if needed to be a third line type center. Yeah. I think you can flip flop too. If you, even if you put Donato on the second wing and Krejci on the third line center, if you want to give a different look and you want to shift Krejci for say a third of the time during the game as a third line center and put Donato on the wing, I don't think anyone would be opposed. Yeah. And it would give them, you know, a bench shortening ability too. If they need to, you know, keep the lower line minutes down and the end of a tighter behind game, then Krejci bumps back up and, and Donato either takes some time to sit or still alternates. But I like that idea too. Do um, you guys want to bump down the lineup a little bit? Because I'm curious if we were talking about moving, you know, Moving Krejci up and, and having Donato in, do you think the Bruins will splurge and try and keep Riley Nash? This is still we're still operating under the assumption that we got Tavares, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think you've got a great prospect in Jacob for his backup Carlson, who might be ready to take the reins at least on the fourth line. I just don't see financially how they can swing, you know, Riley Nash. I mean, to be honest, I think they have to move Backus and Krejci. I mean, they can, they can literally make it work if they just move one. But I mean, you're looking at like you know Peter Shirelli era up against the cap. Cap. Yeah. And so you got to move them both. But if you only move Bacchus, yeah, I just that Riley Nash is, is I think, going to get three, four years somewhere, three or four million per maybe. And I, everyone who's listened to this program or seen my Twitter knows I love the player Riley Nash but I think we've learned our lesson from paying third line and fourth line players that kind of money and I just don't I don't see how it's reasonable time for him to fleece Jim Benning from what we hear out of four million dollars a year <laughs> yep get all get all the money you can enjoy Vancouver he's he's gonna earn his payday I, he was a great Bruin I don't think he's gonna take a team friendly deal as much as I think he liked being a Bruin too just, I don't think it's feasible. Nope. Um, and as I stated before, Jacob Horsbacko Carlson's a great option. He's a tremendous two-way center. I got to watch him a lot at Boston University, and I've heard he's done nothing but continue to mature while he's been in Providence. So I think it's finally time for him to show what he's made of. Yeah, I, mean, I think JFK is the um, probably the de facto fill-in at this point. But you have to remember, Trent Frederick is also knocking on the door. He could also be a third-line center. And then less likely, but, you know, if the Bruins do find a way to keep Austin Zarnick, do they put Austin Zarnick in as the third-line center? 
I know. Austin Zernick would have to be on an, a one-way NHL deal at that point. I don't think there's any way he signs unless it's that way. No, he's got too much interest other places, but I could see them bringing him back. He's a guy who never really got, you know, quote-unquote, a real chance. He strikes me as someone as, you know, he's going to go sign a one-way deal somewhere else and put up 40 points, you know. Like, I, I won't be surprised to see that happen. Yeah, I'd be I'd be worried about overpaying him, too. Um, not that I didn't like him as a player. I mean, I I actually I thoroughly enjoyed talking to him in the locker room, too. He seemed like a, a, a genuine dude, but he's going to need to find a place where he can either be comfortable playing a bunch because it's a – you know, lower tier team or riding the bench, which he might've been doing in Boston, you know, and do the Bruins want to pay, you know, three quarters of a million dollars for somebody to sit in the press box. I I don't see it happening. No, I don't either. Uh, With our luck, it's going to be Tommy Wingle's third line center. So, (laughs) Uh, so what do you guys think if we, if, if Tavares is out of the picture now, um, were there any other free agents that jumped out at you? Personally, I would have liked to see Riley Shan, though we saw the news uh, earlier today, this is Thursday, that um, he resigned with Pittsburgh for a pretty reasonable deal. Um, otherwise, I just hope Rick Nash is able to play again, or, or at least wants to, and feels comfortable with it, because I wouldn't mind seeing him sign again. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Rick Nash. I, that's something I wanted to touch on, too. Um, I think it got lost in the shuffle, but at the end of the Bruins playoff run, he did mention that he was thinking about retiring. And it's not hard to draw the line between, you know, him suffering a concussion at that, you know, a few weeks earlier in his statements then, and now we're seeing it being, you know, reported at a national level. But to, you know, Adam's point, we all take, you know, we're all very cognizant of the issues that CTE and traumatic brain injuries present. And, you know, just all hoping that health wise that, you know, he's all right. And, you know, I've said it, you know, online a few, few times, but if he decides to call it a career, I have nothing but respect for that. You know, at a certain point you do have to look at, you know, your long-term health um, versus, you know, just love of the game. I know it's not an easy call for any player at any level to, to call it quits, but uh, you know, if he feels that he can't reach, you know, he can't keep playing, then totally respect that decision. But it does, it, you know, from a free agent standpoint, it does limit the Bruins' options because Don's been real vocal about wanting to bring Nash back. So it is interesting. Um, I do have a couple names I'm interested in, but Jake, I'm curious on, uh, if you have anyone in mind. Um, just to touch on Nash really quickly, the fact that he's going to elect to miss out on the July 1st signing date is a big step for me. Because it's not about the money at that point. He could fleece some other team and take a hell of a lot of money for a few years. But the fact that he really has to think about whether the game is right for him, I think this is it for him. And I think he's had a great career. Even if he does come back, I don't think it's going to be with Boston. Um, I heard Columbus is calling his name again. I think he's had a fabulous, fabulous career. Unfortunate that he's not a Stanley Cup champion, but sometimes that's just the way the cookie crumbles, like with the Sedins. Um I think Michael Grabner might be a great option as a potential either second line winger or a bottom six guy. He's a little bit older, but he has speed to burn. So if there's any guy who knows how to play in this league, it's him because he's scored so many goals and so many points over the last few years. People just refer to him as a speed demon on the ice. I think he'd fit the mold really well. Yeah, I like Grabner as a from a speed perspective that was – um, something I think the Bruins need to address 
this offseason is, you know, hopefully one of those young wingers can bring the speed up, but if not, they got to find it elsewhere. And my only problem with Grabner and some of the other names on the free agent list is that I think beyond Tavares and Shan that got, you know, resigned and maybe one other name that I'm hopefully not forgetting somebody important, but um, they're all north of 30 which is not like an appealing, uh, you know, I'm north of 30. There's no knock on that. But um, as a hockey player, you know, you're looking at players that are looking to get re-signed at a premium for them and at a discount for the team. So it's, you know, I don't see any other matches coming up. Yeah. Yeah. When I look at, you know, the unrestricted free agents, to your point, they're either, with all due respect, not very good or – you know, they're well north of 30. And like you said, you know, the Bruins have, you know, Krejci and Bergeron and, you know, Marchand. And, you know, they they aren't really looking for, you know, any more aging forwards, at least on long-term deals. So I wrote about James Neal as an option um, probably a couple of weeks ago on the site. But from the whispers, you know, I've seen stuff on Twitter is he's looking for a six-year, six million per deal. And, it's, and as much as I think, he's a great player and you know would be a good fit there's no way I'm going you know that high for James Neal so I see it as basically just there's two two avenues they can go they can do the cheapo sign Thomas Vanek to a one-year two and a half or three million dollar deal as a you know hopefully a scoring wing on the third or second line or in Collins pipe dream trademark they uh they trade for one of either the Anaheim Ducks, Jacob Silverberg, or Minnesota Wilds, Nino Niederreiter, both of which are young comparatively. One's 25, one's 27. They're on reasonable deals with, you know, at least one year left. Jacob Silverberg makes 3.75. Nino is at uh, 5.25 off the top of my head for another three years. And the crazy thing is the Wild have talked about you know, openly about trading Nino, who is, in my opinion, a legitimate first line, you know, winger. So you'd have to trade, you know, you'd have to get rid of David Backus to do it. And you'd probably have to give up some pretty good young players, you know, a Jacob Saboral plus an Anders Bjork, something like that. But instead of paying for, you know, Rick Nash or another 34 year old player, you're getting a long-term young high upside, uh, proven NHL player. So I think if the Bruins really want to get an impact player, it's going to have to be someone who comes via trade because I just don't see too many unrestricted free agent options. I think that's interesting. I think we're both, uh, we're all forgetting one uh, free agent who I've heard has been in the Bruins' eyes and then a trade target of someone that I think because of another trade, we might rule out, but I think it's still in play. The free agent being James Van Riemsdyk, who I heard the Bruins had some interest in in lieu of not getting John Tavares. And then the trade for possibly Jeff Skinner. Um, I know that Elias Lindholm was a big piece to move out of Carolina, but they really want to change the culture of that locker room. So Skinner and maybe Justin Falk are out of there. So there are certainly some other guys on the market. Yeah, I would hard pass on um, JVR personally. Uh, talent, yes. Defense, no. And, and we have a young, you know, offensive forward in Pasternak who's, you know, been given a pretty long leash to make some 
defensive mistakes, but that's the kind of player that Boston's trying to develop and that they value. And I, I don't see JVR at what, 29, right? 28 or 29. I think so. Uh, hopefully he continues to have a more, you know, Rick Nash esque career minus the concussions. Obviously I don't wish that on anybody, but um, I, I don't, you know, I don't see him making a great fit. So first things first, go UNH Wildcats. Um, JVR, obviously the most famous UNH hockey player. And uh, he, he's a great player. He's a great goal scorer too, which I think gets glossed over a lot. Uh, but he hasn't always been healthy. And he is going to cost crazy money. You know, he's going to get, he wants six years, I don't know, six or seven million per, maybe more. And I just, anyone who's had to suffer through me talking about hockey for any period of time knows how I feel about you know, making sure you have cap flexibility. And I just don't think that JVR is the kind of player that it's worth, you know, putting yourself up against the cap for. So that's my take on that. Like I said, I like the player. I'm just, I wouldn't go, you know, into, into debt for a player like that. And on, on Skinner too, I'm, I'm not a Skinner guy. I got to be honest. I know he's a good player, but he's pretty one dimensional to me. You know, if I'm going to go with a one-dimensional type scoring forward, I'll just sign Vanek for, you know, for free, basically. <laughs> so that's my thought. Or Grabner. You know, Grabner had 27 goals, I think, last year. You know, again, he's, you know, he at least can play penalty kill and, and bring some other upside. But I'll take the, basically the free asset in Vanek over, you know, having to trade away young, good players to get Jeff Skinner. I mean, there are certainly lots of options, and I think we all have to thank the Vegas Golden Knights for bringing in so much revenue and being such a big factor as to why the cap increased so much this year. Yeah, that they that they did well is um, it bodes well for the Western Conference too. Though uh, I've seen a few less than ideal moves for my taste out there. But um, do you guys have anything that you identify as? Uh, I'll save my Western Conference take for a little later, but um, that teams have already made that they might not have, that might not have been a great idea. Ilya Kovalchuk, come on down. That three-year deal is just awful. I have never been so relieved as a fan, as a media member, than hearing that Don Sweeney didn't go a third year. You know, at six point two five per for a guy who is, you know. 35 years old, hasn't played in the league in five plus years, and they're going to commit to him until he's, you know, 38 years old. I think he's 38 now. Yeah, could be. I could think be. he's, I think he's old. And, and that's not even the direction that I was going to go. I was going San Jose. Um, not that I, well, I, I think they overpaid a little bit for Vander Kane, but at least they got him under re-signing. Um, so he's built into the culture a little bit, but that the fact that they signed him before, for extending Couture was a little odd to me. Um, if only from the, like, you know, hard strings perspective of why wouldn't you re-sign your, you know, one of your top forwards before signing somebody who has, you know, basically a rental preview for you. Yeah, I mean, those are both awful moves. I was going to go with Jack Johnson with the Pittsburgh <laughs> Penguins and, I get that you need to move Connor Sherry and Matt Hunwick, but really you're replacing Matt Hunwick with Jack 
freaking Johnson. I'm sorry. That is just a backwards move. So we got to say that it is, <laughs> it's reported, but it does, it sure sounds like that, uh, that is happening. And I agree. I do not understand that move. Uh, it's, it's crazy season. We see it every year. GMs seemingly make smart moves and then they go out and do something that basically eliminates all of the, you know, the good stuff they've done, but Hey, if it hurts, uh, you know, the Penguins, it's better for the Bruins, I guess, in the long run. So, yeah. Well, it is a little early yet, so I'm, uh, I'm still holding my breath over here that uh, Don doesn't, you know, try and pull something crazy for the sake of it. You know, like some it people does. called the Rick Nash acquisition at the time. I thought it was <laughs> a little aggressive, personally. <laughs> Who but... would do that? <laughs> but but it ended up, I think, working pretty well for Boston and. I think that was a more calculated move. Now it cost us that first round pick, but we, you know, prospect depth already, so I won't get back into it. It's uh, I'm, yeah, I'm just glad that Sweeney didn't try and trade to get back up into the first. My my position is well established on that Rick Nash deal. I don't need to go to go over that anymore. But you know, whether it worked out or it didn't work out you sort of have to live with the consequences of making a trade of that stature. And, you know, like I said, it cost a first round pick among other things. And all the talk leading up to the draft was that Sweeney was trying to, you know, package assets to get back into the first. And I, that would, that would have been terrible to me, to be honest. Like you made the trade, it, it worked out or it didn't work out, but you can't then throw more assets to get back that first round pick and then gamble on a first round pick on a draft player that may or may not work out. It's just, to me, as someone who's risk averse, that's just not a good way to to run a business, essentially. But thankfully, that didn't happen. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, don't sacrifice assets for a gamble. You have guys who you've seen, who have been in your system, who you know where their ceilings are. Don't risk it for someone who could totally just not pan out. So I'm glad that Don didn't either. As painful as it was to not watch them draft in the first round, I think it'll end up being for the better keeping the assets they have now. So there were a couple other places that I thought um, Boston might want to try and improve. And if we were talking forwards already, um, let's work our way back down the lineup and see if there's anything that interests you guys on the market to upgrade the defense. Um, I think they still need a depth player personally. Um, Cause I think Charlie McAvoy is going to continue to grow into his role. Um, so I think, but I think we already knew that he was probably going to settle in in top two for a little while now, uh, at least while Char can shelter him. But um, was there anybody that you think would be a better option than just picking up as another seventh defenseman? We were talking about John Tavares coming off the island. How about Calvin DeHaan? I think he's been a name that has been touted as someone who's gotten a lot of interest. Um, someone who, playing under Johnny Boychuk and Nick Letty, I think, has d- gotten a little bit sheltered himself. But I think he'd be able to play a pretty good role either as a second or a third line defenseman on this team. Yeah, I think, and that's sort of, you know, people get excited about Tavares. But I think the defense is really where I'd rather upgrade, to be honest. You know, the Bruins can score with the best of them. But that being said, it's pretty slim pickings for a defenseman. And there's really no impact players out there. I do like DeHaan as a player, but, you know, in terms of who he's really going to be an upgrade over in your, you know, your regular six, I mean, you know, Grizzlick, sure, but they just re-signed him to a deal. So I think the Bruins are in kind of a tough spot, actually, when it comes to their defense, because Chara 
we all hope will continue to play at the level he's played at. But, you know, he's pretty old, <laughs> to be honest. We don't know how much longer he can play. And as great as McAvoy is, you still really need a second, you know, top-level defenseman. And they don't really have that, all due respect to Kevin Miller and Tori Krug, who are both very good. And they're they're not out there. I mean, you could have went out and paid for, you know, Mike Green, I guess, but he's not really a top pair guy. No, and thank God Detroit's going to keep him. Please don't put him back out on the UFA market. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just really, there's not much out there. And it's an interesting point when it comes, I, everything keeps coming back to Tavares, but if you look at it from that standpoint, should the Bruins be spending, you know, a long-term big dollars on Tavares, or should they be looking at Doughty, Carlson, who are both going to be free agents, or, you know, you know, maybe not quite that elite level, but, you know, you know, younger first pair defensemen that are coming up. Cause we all know, like I said, what, what McAvoy is and what he will be, but he's still going to need sort of that number two player. I mean, Oliver Ekman Larson's going to be an unrestricted free agent next year. I mean, Ryan McDonough, Strawman. I mean, there are big names that are going to be available next year. So, if you start looking out more than a year, does it make sense to, to really focus on defense? But then you got to weigh that against, you know, the cap or excuse me, the cup window. And that's where being a GM's tough. I, I just, I don't think there's much available right now that the Bruins can do to upgrade their defense. You know, they could move McQuaid for some cap savings and bring in like a Nick Holden, you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's what, that's what I'm thinking that Adam McQuaid definitely becomes the expendable guy. If you're going to, even if you're trading for an asset, like say you don't get to and it's Nino Niederreiter. Um, I think McQuaid becomes the expendable defenseman to send away. Yeah. I, I don't personally, I don't think he makes it through the end of the year as a Bruin. I felt that way for a while. Um, he know. might honestly, to me, be the one that they keep as the seventh um, and try and, you know, I think let Holden go and bring in somebody that's going to – unless does he have another year in his deal? Am I missing something? Are we stuck uh, with Holden? Nope. Nope. Oh. Holden's unrestricted. Adam has the this year, and then he's an unrestricted free agent. Okay. So, you, you know, save him for the depth player this year and then – um, he's off the books next year if you really want to get rid of him or bring him back on something even cheaper. Um, See, I, yeah, I agree that there wasn't much out on the free agent market for people that would fit into this cup window. I mean, there's a couple of restricted free agents that I had my eye on, but I, I don't think, like I said, Donnie's not going to do something crazy and try and offer sheet somebody like Ryan Murray or um, uh, who else was it? Jacob Truba out of Winnipeg. But oh, man. There, there wasn't a lot to fill in. I mean, you know, you can hope that those guys don't sign long-term deals and pick them up maybe for the the what could be the next cup window, you know, the, the twilight years of the uh, greatest line on earth. I think you wonder, I'm, I want to run back to McQuaid for a second, with how injury-prone he's been, whether he even considers, maybe not calling it a career, but taking a step back in his role. See, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy talking to Adam. He's one of my favorite players to talk to. Um, he's a pretty competitive guy. I'm sure he wants to be out there every night. Uh, like, you know, I would love to have him as a seventh defenseman. I think he's perfect for that role. I think he's a great leader for the younger players. He sticks up for his teammates. And he still can play 
you know, he's good enough to be an NHL defenseman. It's his cap hit. You know, it's $2.75 million on the cap. And I think if they go out and sign someone, even if it's not Tavares, they're going to try and save as much money on the cap as they can. And that's why I just think he may be a deadline move or I don't know, which, again, that'll be a bummer for me from, you know, a, a human personal level. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him moved. I think we now kind of have to turn our attention to goaltending, not starting. Anyone who's listening who thinks we're going to talk about moving to Rask, you get Trey out of here. Right stop, stop, stop listening. <laughs> I think we got to talk about backup goaltending. If Anton Kudobin isn't coming back, um, the money that we have for that, um, Carter Hutton doesn't want to come here. Carter Hutton's going to be a Sabre. Bernier's a Red Wing. Um, it's tough. Cam Ward is a Blackhawk. There's not a big market. There really is not. Yeah, I even with those guys on the market, I think the only one that I would have been comfortable with is um, is Bernier. You know, and I think you mentioned Lettinen, but he's you know he's getting paid starter money, and he's probably going to want to keep it. You know, he's not going to get. He he did well in like the backup slash starter role with backup coming first, obviously, but I don't think that's what he's going to want to do or definitely not what he's going to want to get paid. I'd honestly rather see them bring up McIntyre and, you know, really put him through the ringer as like a, a, a test before they give up on him completely. Cause they're not calling him up anymore. Um, and he's really got to impress out this year. So he might as well do it by earning a, at least a backup spot. I don't think Zeno has that ceiling, unfortunately, to even be a backup. From yeah, I think he's already proven what he's capable of, unfortunately, and it's not amazing. Yeah, we're going to have to pay through the nose for someone, but, I mean, look at how well it worked out last year uh, with Kudobin stepping up when he needed to and playing like an NHL starter and giving Tuka a lot of rest, frankly, which he seemingly needed to be a great goaltender throughout the playoffs, so... I think you're going to have to sign someone who you know is going to be able to take at least 15, 20 games away from Tuca. And I don't think Zane can do that efficiently. Yeah. The, if I boil down the whole thing, it, it's pretty much they got to bring back Doby. Like you said, there is almost nothing out there in terms of, you know, backup goaltenders that can be good enough for the Bruins and also be cheap enough for the Bruins. <clears throat> and Doby is sort of in that sweet spot for them. I know there were um, reports, if you will, about him asking for $5 million per year. And uh, our colleague Kevin Paul DuPont from The Globe uh, tweeted out a couple days ago that he spoke with Doby's agent, and they refuted that. Um, sounds like he's asking more in the 2 to $3 million per year. But you know, knowing Doby a little bit and knowing his career arc and all that, I think he wants term, you know, he wants a second or maybe even a third year. I think that's probably what the holdup is. You know, I think they're going to have to go two years with him. Um, but with the way it is, like I said, I don't think Zane is, he's not ready yet if he'll ever be to be an NHL goaltender. And I know the organization's high on Dan Vladar, but he's young and he's, you know, he's just settling in as an AHL backup. So, you may have to go two years with Doby and give him what he wants. He sort of has the leverage in the situation. So, yeah, I would do that. And I, 
should also say that I'd rather them keep Dobby than push up Zane. But uh, I always think that like the two and a half mark is like the high end that he'll probably get. That would be doubling what his salary was last year. And that's not really like a, a contract move. You know, he did prove his worth this year, but he needs to, if he's going to ask for term, he needs to be able to settle for a little less of annual hit. Yeah, that's actually more than I thought they'd even ask for, to be honest. I, you know, I always talk about Matt Cain's um, contract projections that he does, and he had him at like, I'm going off the top of my head, but like, you know, one and a half, 1.75. So that's more than I expected. But like I said, Dolby has quite a bit of leverage, probably for the first time in his career here. So I, you know, I guess it does make sense that he's asking for more. If they do go two years, Obviously, in terms of salary, you can give them more in year one because the Bruins can afford it, assuming they don't land Tavares. And then in year two, if you do have to bury him in the AHL, it doesn't help your cap as much, but at least you're not paying him out, um, you know, actual salary. And it makes him, uh, you know, easier to be traded if that's the case. But like I said, the Bruins, for all the good things they've done in the draft and development, you know, they've sort of got a gap between Tuca and, you know, the next generation of goaltenders and Pladar and Kieser and Swayman, all of which are on, you know, varying levels of successful. So they've got to bridge that gap, and it looks like Dobie's going to be the, the guy to do it. So, Yeah, let's hope so. Um, I, was, uh, I was just wondering how we can wrap this up, because I think it's getting past my bedtime. Um, do you guys have uh, any wild predictions for how – the uh, agency is going to go. You think we're going to land Tavares? Where do you think he's going to end up? Who are the Bruins going to get? Well, I mean, what I heard from Ty, and Ty is a good guy. I, he's still up and coming as far as I would say finding his personality in the sports realm. He's got, he's doing a good job at 95, uh, 98.5. He, he heard that the Bruins were in the top three. I think tomorrow for us being Friday, we'll start to hear a little bit more about what teams are in, what teams are out. It would be a big splash if they got him. I think the Bruins still have a great chance either way. If they don't, their window is still very much open. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've been more than vocal about saying the Bruins were not going to get him. Um, if they do, like, like I said on Twitter, I'm going to get dunked on, on an Epic level. Um, my, my gut is he goes back to the New York Islanders. And if it's not the Islanders, I think, you know, the Sharks probably are the, the next most likely team. The thing that, you know, worries me is if Toronto lands him. You know, you have a one-two punch of Austin Matthews and JT, and Toronto's no joke, you know, from the Bruins' standpoint. That could be real bad news for them. But in terms of, you know, general free agency, I think someone's going to way overpay for Paul Stasny. Someone's going to way overpay for my guy, Riley Nash. At the end of the day, you know, I don't – I never advocate for building teams through age, through free agency. I, if they don't land Tavares, I kind of hope they either trade for someone who's, a you know, an RFA or, uh, or they just sort of ride the youth movement because, you know, I hope they learn a lesson from the Bacchus move, the Bolesky move, all of that sort of stuff. I'm not going to name names here of someone who isn't a reliable source of information, but – for everyone listening, I think you know who I'm talking about. I, I don't want to say names to burn bridges, but just be 
be wary of the information that's out there. You're going to see a lot of things from a lot of different people. You know who the really trusted sources are. Listen to them, please. Yeah, I have like six burner accounts ready to go. So I'm going to be throwing <laughs> all you guys off. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I don't think they'll get Tavares either. Um, that's not really a bold prediction, but that's what I think. Um, I want to say that the Bruins end up standing pat. And I think that would be a, a bold prediction in that it's going to probably annoy some Bruins fans because, you know, that like, like we talked about earlier, the cup windows closed and who can we bring in if it's not going to be somebody that steps up right away? It wasn't Sarnik. It's not going to be JFK, JFK that brings in the real like depth scoring punch in his first NHL season. So what's it going to be? Do we keep Riley Nash? Um, and I think that's going to be the, the Bruins are going to overpay for him rather than him risking walking away from what seemed to be like an ideal situation for him. Um, Cause he's not going to go out and become somebody's top center. He is going to be somebody's really reliable, like slide up and down the lineup, Swiss army knife. Um, and I could see the Bruins paying North of four, four and a half million dollars just to keep him. Oh boy. Like I said, I love, love Riley Nash, but I, uh, I hope they're not paying him that much, but I agree. I think, you know, they either stand pat or, you know, come trade deadline, they may make a move. We didn't touch on it, but, uh, you know, Wayne Simmons has been in the, the rumor market. And as a rental, I got to admit, man, him in a Bruins jersey would be awesome. You know, he would be a real impact player. But like I said, I, I, if they don't land Tavares, I kind of hope they just stand pat and they don't, you know, spend the whole cap on Paul Stasny or, you know, whoever it is. I did want to uh, mention, as we close it out here, um, just, you know, shout out that the Hockey Hall of Fame finally did what they should have done a long time ago and inducted, you know, former Bruin Willie O'Ree into the Hockey Hall of Fame as a builder. I don't know why it took this long. I think we've all been very vocal about it, but, uh, you know, they finally got it right. And for that, I think we can all be uh, happy just wanted to make a point of that, how, how much of an impact he's had both as a player and, you know, as a really just an icon for the league. Uh, so very happy to see that they finally were able to do that. Yeah. Congratulations uh, to him. Definitely. Absolutely. An honor. Very well deserved. And with that gentlemen, uh, enjoy your night. Thanks for joining me. And uh, by the time this gets released, I'm sure we'll, we'll probably hear where Tavares is landing. So well, they're we'll posting up that he's going to let the let the team. I'm just reading it now that they're going to let the team know, uh, him and his agent, let the Islanders know whether or not he ex- is going to accept the eight year deal. So there will be news before this comes out, but hopefully it's not where he lands. It's that he lands buckle with the Bruins. Up, fellas. It's going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> say, buckle up. All right, gentlemen. Have a good night. Take care, guys. Guys, everyone. Well.